sang this song to me There was a message in his melody Sweetest lyrics that I ever heard There's a message in the songs of birds Tomorrow is another day Living is the only way Tomorrow's gonna ever come Listen to the words of the song everyone for joining me. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, known as the Empowerment Doctor. And I want to welcome you to A Sip of Inspiration's podcast. And today we're going to talk about changing your life with hypnotherapy. As you always know, I like to bring information that will inform you about all of the different ways that you can use to inspire yourselves in order to improve your life. And that's what it is about. We are here to live the best life possible. And I just want to give you some friendly techniques. Before we get started, there's a little bit of housekeeping. So uh, if you're watching this on my Facebook page, Empower DR, that's where you watch this show. I want you to like it and I want you to start a watch party. And if you have questions, put those in the chat box. We do have people who are actually watching those so that they can send those to me so we can get those answered. Uh, also, the show will be posted on YouTube later. So I want you to go out to the YouTube channel and like my channel. Uh, and as you do that, subscribe to it also and click that handy bell so you'll know when they're new uh when they're when we've added new things and that way you can keep up with us uh our show is actually sponsored by rise and i want to thank rise for their sponsorship and when you need a supply company to rise to your needs call resource industrial supply equipment now that we've gotten the housekeeping out of the way i want to welcome alice j gibson to the show tonight so she is a lot of things not just a hypnotherapist but she specializes in cognitive behavior therapy acceptance commitment therapy hypnotherapy and mindfulness as approaches to assist clients to relieving emotional distress chronic pain and behavior issues she also specializes in treating depression anxiety anger, poor self-esteem, family conflicts, and behavior issues. And if you're like me, you have some of that going on in your own life, some of that going on in your family, and of course, our friends. We just talked about them and the people we work with, right? So welcome, Alice, to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. So how did you get started? This is an interesting subject for tonight and it's not one that normally people of color talk about a lot, but I think it's an important topic because we have to stay on top of new techniques and things that we need and can use to change our lives. So how did you get started? How did I get started in the field? In the field first, right. So well, first I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor and uh, when I, the reason why I got started, when I first went back to school, I returned to school and I was in a deep, dark place in my life. And I initially went to school for business. And because of trying to understand how to pull myself up and how to figure out what I was going through, I started taking some psychology classes. And after taking the classes, I became interested and I was thinking, yes, I can do this. So, Taking the classes, um, just starting taking 
uh, Psychology 101 kind of opened my eyes to uh, this is what you learn about Freud and psychodynamic mm -hmm. that we have core uh, and cognitive behavior therapy that we have core beliefs. So just trying to understand me and what I was going through, my motivation and why I reacted the way I reacted to some challenges in my own life. Oh, the core beliefs is pretty interesting. And I know that wasn't on my little cheat sheet, but what are some of the basic core, core beliefs that we have? So, you know, we all think that we are individual, right? <laughs> what can you, core beliefs is something that we probably, we develop as a, a, as a child, how we see ourselves in the world. And it depends on uh, our environment. We can develop core beliefs such as I'm not good enough. We could develop core beliefs such as I'm helpless. Uh, don't nobody like me. I can't protect myself. So there's many core beliefs that we can develop, but basically it's how we see ourselves as a child. And we tend to act out through these core beliefs. So as you started on this path of psychology to help yourself actually, and mm -hmm. sharing it with the world, um, what was one of the first things that you've noticed in your practice that people need to just sort of stop and pay attention to themselves so that they can discover do do you find that people are just running 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 or do they are they just afraid to spend time with themselves uh i don't think people are afraid to spend time with themselves it's how they feel when they spend time with themselves oh so some when uh, it's how you feel what what I've noticed when I started I started my private practice in 2016 on a part-time basis and what I noticed with the the clientele that was coming in I was doing the cognitive behavior therapy and acceptance commitment therapy but what I also noticed is that people had these core beliefs and they were make choices and they had behavior uh challenges that kind of correlate with what they truly felt about themselves. And then I also know, know, uh, noticed that people had trauma. And so when you are, and then people are in a state of constant fight or flight. And when you are in a state of constant fight or flight, it's difficult to sit and be with yourself. And it's difficult to, because some uh, people don't know what's triggering that fight or flight and nor do they understand how childhood trauma or any kind of trauma can, um, can uh, trigger certain thoughts and create a situation where they're in fight or flight. So what are some of the stigmas of mental health and how can we look at mental health counseling differently so that we can get the skills needed to live our best lives? Well, some of the stigma uh, surrounding mental health is, oh, you're just crazy, oh, you're weak, oh, you can get over it, you can work through it, uh, you're just lazy, uh, you don't want to do anything, uh, you're not, nothing is wrong with you, you can, you can change things if you want to. So those are some of the stigmas, and those are uh, external stigmas, but a person that's dealing with mental health issues also have internal stigmas, mm -hmm. such as like, I'm not good enough, or, or don't nobody like me, 
uh, if I seek, if I go seek treatment, people are gonna know that I'm crazy. And so those are some of the stigmas, those enter, uh, external stigmas where the prejudice uh, attitudes, what we see on television, a person that's dealing with mental challenges or mental health issues, they're depicted as violent or depicted as villains. So those are some of the prejudice attitudes that people have. And, and that what that does is create situations where people won't get help because now they have their own internal stigma. I know you started off in cognitive behavior therapy. Um, what was that like? What is that generally like? People don't generally know what that is. So how did it draw you? We, we know it drew you in because of things you were dealing with, but once you were in the practice, how did you know that was the right place for you? Well, cognitive behavior therapy, uh, what draw me into it is you have the ability to kind of reassess or reframe of how you think about a certain situation. And you can identify unhelpful, uh, unhelpful thoughts. For example, um, don't nobody like me. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't nobody like you, that tells me that you may be inside of your head. So if you're inside of your head, then how can you, how can you um, look at that different? How can you reframe that, Alice? Well, I'm not engaging socially with people because it causes me anxiety. And because of the anxiety, it's difficult for me to ascertain if people like me or not. Ah, okay, cool. Thank you for that. Thank you. So, so you went from that to acceptance commitment therapy. So well, that's, that's I utilize both. Oh, you utilize both. Okay. So I utilize both acceptance commitment therapy is where you're using your values. What, what there's a, don't nobody like me. So when don't, when I think about people don't like me, I have anxiety. And so my goal is to get you to diffuse from the negative thinking. So what Alice, uh, you said you went to a party and where you were at the party, were you able to engage with people? I engaged with one coworker and I, have, I had a good time with that coworker. So what, that, what I'm doing is getting you to, uh, to diffuse that negative, the negative thought of don't nobody like you. Well, Alice, so because you have anxiety, but once you begin to engage with others, then the anxiety will, will begin to subside. So that's what acceptance commitment, your values, this is my task. So I have a task to engage socially. So if I focus on my task, then I'm not in my head. And even if I experience anxiety, I can still engage socially and not be in my head with the thought of don't nobody like me. Have you found that once people try these techniques that they're able to actually make some good progress and become and, and like themselves and realize that people really do like them? Well, what I found, especially with cognitive behavior therapy, one of the things that I do, I, I, I help people find facts that people like them. And what I mean by facts is I draw from their past. Okay, so when you uh, tell me what you like about yourself, 
well, I like uh, that. I'm a hard worker. Well, who else has told you that you're a hard worker, Alice? Well, my boss tells me I'm a hard worker and my coworkers, they really, you know, encourage me. Uh, they're really saying, oh, you're a hard worker. Okay, so what else do you like about your stuff, Alice? Well, I like uh, anime. Uh, so who do you share anime with? Well, I have this next door neighbor and we talk about anime all the time. You know, we do a Zoom where we talk about anime. So I give them facts about liking themselves. And so that's when a light bulb start coming on. Well, I guess I am likable. But even with cognitive behavior therapy, so the first you have all these facts and so you begin to feel good. And then here comes a, a trigger. Mm-hmm. Trigger is well, my grandmother, uh, well, my sister, she doesn't like me. So everything that you've worked towards, here comes that mental, I call it mental uh, filter. Mm-hmm. Here comes that mental filter. And now you're just focusing on my sister doesn't like me and not everybody else who likes you. And so when I suggest where do you think that you're disqualifying everything that you achieve you know with people liking you mm-hmm. well yes I'm not I'm looking at the negative because my sister tend to be a little negative so I need to focus on the positive so just getting people to reframe and restructuring those thoughts that's fantastic so you went from that and found hypnotherapy how did that happen well these are tools that I use. I don't go from one to a other. It depends on the client and what you can use. I educate the client on, hey, this is how I can help you. And I give them the choice of what they feel that works best for them. And so hypnotherapy is just a tool that I, I decide to uh, learn about because what I've learned with the majority of my clients, or most of my clients, they were dealing with some form of trauma from childhood mm-hmm. uh, that has impacted the way they think and feel about themselves. Uh, for an example, uh, bullying from childhood. So now that this, this person is fearful, fearful of the world, fearful of being judged, fearful of they be someone in their lives that has these bullying characteristics, they're actually really fearful when they shut down or they go into fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So I decided to start learning about trauma and trauma care and how to help people that has dealing with trauma, not just pre, uh, when we think about trauma, we think about post-traumatic stress disorder uh, or the, uh, uh, military people coming home from, uh, from the war with post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. or uh, if someone was in a car accident or uh, shootings, those are all those things are traumatizing. But we also have other type of trauma, childhood trauma of neglect, of abandonment, of not feeling good about yourself, bullying. So we bring those traumas with us into adulthood. So as I was learning trauma and the techniques to deal with trauma, mm-hmm. I also included hypnotherapy as part of something that a tool that I wanted to bring into my toolbox to work with clients. So one of the questions I know that people are asking is, is hypnotherapy safe and what is hypnotherapy? And I've got my handy dandy phone. So for those of you who have questions, please put them in the chat box and the comment box on Facebook and they will be sent to me and we will be certain to get them answered. 
uh, just be careful with asking questions about your friends and your coworkers. So, so what is hypnotherapy and is it safe? A hypnotherapy is a, it's a guided hypnosis by a professional. And what they do is guide you into a trans-like state of focus and concentration. And this, um, this trans-like state is similar to being completely absorbed in a book. So when you're absorbed in a, when you're reading a book, you are absorbed in a trans-like. When you're at the movies, trans-like. When you are walking, you're in a mm -hmm. trans-like state. And so this is what hypnosis is guiding you to a trans-like state, trans-like state. And with hypnosis, you are in control at all times. It's not like what you see in Las Vegas where they tell you to bark like a dog and, and climb a tree or take off your clothes if you're hot. That is not what hypnosis is. You have the opportunity to say, I'm not comfortable, uh, this is not working for me. You are in control. The therapist is not in control of your mind. You are in control. But what the therapist is working with is your subconscious mind and not your conscious mind. But you are in control. I know, it's like uh, uh, magicians in Hollywood have taken it to another level. Of course. Uh, <laughs> so, so but, Go ahead. Go ahead. They make it seem like that they're in control of your mind. Mm -hmm. You're in control at all times. Not the therapist. You are in control. You are aware of what's going on. And you are aware. You're just in, not in your conscious mind, your critical thinking mind, the mind that you're making decisions, you are in your subconscious mind. Okay. So you are totally aware. So, yes, you are in control. Okay, in control. So let's remember that when we consider hypnotherapy as a as a, an option for treatment. Um, are there stages or levels to hypnotherapy? Uh, how do you get started? Well, first you have getting started is when you make when a client make a decisions for hypnotherapy, they are making a decision to change. So if you come to me and say, Alice, hypnotize me, I don't know you. And so you get started by building a rapport with the therapist. You get started, uh, the, uh, the therapist taking an assessment, educating you about hypnotherapy and uh, finding out what's important to you. What do you, you want to change? What do you like to improve in your life? Where you're at in your life and what stage where you like to see yourself going and so that's how you get started you have to build a rapport and you have to educate uh with any type of mental mental health mm -hmm. education is very important and so with my clients anything i we do i educate them our first appointment when i do my assessment and then i could tell i tell them how i can help them and i say this is what i do and i ask them to go back Look this information up, educate yourself, mm -hmm. come back, ask questions, and then we'll go from there. So you have to educate and give them an opportunity to ask you questions. And you have to do an assessment. Okay, so it's, it's yeah. just no showing up the first day and hypnotize, that's fantastic. So I think that that will uh, put a lot of people at ease because I think 
I absolutely know that dealing with the subconscious mind is so incredibly important if you want to make some real changes in your life. Well, there's multiple ways to deal with the subconscious mind. There, we have a, this new study called neuroscience where they're doing a lot of uh, research with the brain. Mm -hmm. So their hypnotherapy is just a tool that a therapist uses. Mm -hmm. So there's other tools that a therapist can use to deal with the subconscious mind. So what are some of the stages or levels of hypnotherapy that one could experience uh, by participating in hypnotherapy? And are they guided by you? So the first stage is the pre-talk. Okay. pre-talk. Pre okay. And so the second stage is, I'm sorry, I wrote it down because I don't remember them all by heart. <laughs> okay, and the second stage is, the second stage is, I'm going to have to remember by heart, it's the assessment. The third stage is ask, asking questions. And then you go through the stage of re relaxation, where you have the client relax. And then the next is the trans, the, the trans stage. And then the next stage, just a suggestion. And then uh, the awakening stage. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's a gradual process. It's a gradual process. So you can do all those stages in one setting, but you definitely need to know the client and you have to meet them where they're at. So are you asking questions or are prompting questions during the process or... Well, once you get the, well, prior to actually getting to the, in your assessment, when you get to know the client and you're gathering information about the client, the client tells you what they want to work on. It's not what you want to work on as a therapist because it's not about you. Okay. It's about the client. So um, what are some conditions that where, where hypnotherapy won't work? Well, it's if, um, if a client has active psychosis, okay, you may, may not want to, you may create a situation where you may exacerbate those psychosis or if a client has personality disorder, okay, so you may exacerbate their anxiety or whatever um, challenges they may have, or if a client... Um, just want to be hypnotized and and if they're not uh, and they don't know why uh, they may not be open so a client that's not open to it or um, that's resistant to it they may have some challenges with it so how would uh i know we after the assessment and you've just the client has made it clear as to what they want to work on how do they prepare for the hypnotherapy session? Well, we do the pre-talk, they prepare. Part of the preparation is they're sitting in a chair, feet flat on the floor, hands flat on their, on their lap. And then uh, the therapist proceed to, there's different ways to help a, a client, to get a client into a trans-like state. You can do relaxation breathing, uh, you can do where their eyes are fixated on the light, or you can ask them to visualize a happy place. And so these are the steps you use to get them 
to that trans-like state. But I have to tell you that a client has to trust you mm-hmm. in order to allow themselves to go, you know, to go into this trans-like state. And they are going to remember it. So I was just thinking, you're right. Some of those things we do when we're in the movies or walking or meditating, just like you said, okay, we just don't connect the two uh, with being like a form of hypnosis. Yes. You're in a park and you're focused on whatever, roses or birds or whatever you see that has your complete attention at that moment. And you are in a trance-like state. Yes, okay. So for those of us who were a little fearful, we know that we do this all the time now, okay? So, and then I can see where we are in that same state too, because a lot of times we'll get that negative memory or belief and we just fixate on it. We just stay focused on it. No matter what anyone says, you're just, there and once you're there that negative belief can cause an emotion and that emotion may be depression anxiety or some type of distress and then here comes maybe a behavior Uh, a behavior may be to avoid a situation or behavior may be to just go go off on someone you know so some type of behavior once those core beliefs are triggered Oh, okay. I'm just sitting here thinking, <laughs> all of us can go off on someone. So what core belief was triggered? Okay. Well, it depends. It, it, it depends. Uh, I have a, a client, he becomes so angry. I mean, he becomes really, really angry. And the core belief is I'm helpless. So when he feels helpless, Instead of shutting down, he becomes angry. And so therefore he goes after the person that he's communicating with because he feels helpless. Part of it's not being able, I don't feel like I'm hurt, so my knees are not getting met. So now here's the trigger. I feel helpless. That's the core belief. Now here comes the anger. And so this person is in fight, the fight mode. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you for that. So um in preparation for hypnotherapy, are there special clothing? You just come as you are. No special clothing. You just come <laughs> as you are. You like know, however you, however you show up in your therapist's office. Okay. So. However you show up in your therapist's office, because remember, you have a rapport with this therapist. So, what are some of the techniques you use? Because I know you have. I'm sure there's multiple ways to conduct these sessions, but what have been some that you found most useful and helpful in your practice? Well, for my practice with hypnotherapy, I talk when I'm doing helping the client through diaphragmic breathing or guided meditation or mindful meditation. And so if I see that they're not, uh, if they're having a difficult time with this and I tell them, well, maybe if I, if I can make some suggestions and I tell them the suggestions may be, this is a part of hypnotherapy. So I would make some suggestions like, okay, upon your exhale, allow your shoulders to relax when they're breathing. Upon your exhale, allow your, necks to relax, your neck to relax. 
allow your arms to lay heavy on your body. Allow your hands. So, so I'm making suggestions to them, but they know that I'm making those suggestions. And so hypnotherapy is really about suggestions. Mm -hmm. So are there any activities that can interfere with the success of hypnotherapy? Activities like what? Um, so after the, after, after the session, is it wise to go out and party or do you come home and rest or? Well, the session can be exhausting. Okay. So upon awakening someone from a trance, you want to tell them that they are, that they're energetic and they're, and then they feel positive. So but that's just a session. You go out and you live your normal life. You know, you do what you want to do. Okay. Because you know, in Hollywood, it's like <laughs> they turn around and they're in a trance again. So I no, think this hypnotherapy, no. Our goal is not to hurt. Our goal is, is, is not to hurt, to do no harm. And the goal is to relieve emotional distress. Mm -hmm. not to create emotional distress and not to do any harm. So can hypnotherapy be dangerous? It can be dangerous if, if, if you have uh, someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Okay. Like with anything, uh, crossing the street can be dangerous if someone that can't drive is a junk, can't drive is behind the wheel. So if, someone who doesn't know what they're doing, it can, they can cause some serious situations. They can cause people to remember things or fabricate a memory. So you'd wanna avoid those. And how is the client protected during the hypnosis session? Well, they're educated. Okay. And they know that they are in control at all times. Okay. And the therapist is working on what the client wants to work on. And because they are in control, that's their form of protection. Okay. So are there any particular personality types or uh, core beliefs uh, that are helped best by hypnosis? Well, you have to want to change. In uh, substance abuse, we, we have what we call the stages of change. And so when you recognize that you have some challenges and you seek out a therapist, you have recognized that you're ready to change, that you want to change. Mm -hmm. And so people who are willing to change uh, tend to fear better. But if a person has a personality disorder, uh, through the assessment, you determine that there's a personality disorder. They may not be a good candidate. Okay. So, um, so you you offer these with all of the other services as needed or as a best course of action for the client. So, it would be so not everyone would be a good candidate for hypnotherapy, but. Uh, if it is, you recommend the hypnotherapy also? I recommend it as a tool. As a tool, okay. As, as a, a tool, tool, not as, not as, uh, uh, 
as a tool means as an intervention. I offered it as a tool and it's also included in other interventions. So when you are treating uh, patients with like chronic pain, what are some of the techniques that, because we know a people do experience, a lot of people experience chronic pain. As a matter of fact, there's, there are a lot of articles written that in the US we're very bad at treating chronic pain, uh, chronic pain. And not only are we bad at treating it, when we do treat it, we give you <laughs> addictive- Medication medications right so on the chronic pain what are some of the techniques that you use to help with chronic pain well with chronic pain i use uh, relaxation breathing breathing guided imagery mindful meditation so one of the things that i do i get the, the person through relaxation breathing to completely relax and then i do what is called a body scan for them to scan their bodies First, I start with the left side, then I go to the right side. And I said, and I tell them just scan, uh, visualize, your, visualize as you breathe in that the oxygen is going to that part of your body mm -hmm. and you are releasing any discomfort. I don't call it pain, I call it discomfort. And that you're releasing discomfort. So as they do the body scan, as they're breathing, and part of it is, for them to get them to concentrate on their breathing because most of the time people are in their head fighting the pain so and i say if i uh, tell them if you have any thoughts you can allow you can want don't fight the thought allow the thoughts to float away on in the ocean on a cloud or a leaf but go back to the breathing because the breathing is so important and through visualization they get to see their bodies and actually feel their body and actually isolate the pain and they go straight to the pain and they begin to visualize themselves breathing an oxygen into that pain and as I'd say uh, it's okay here's my suggestion it's okay to release that discomfort and then as they exhale they're releasing a discomfort and what, and then I get them to scan again. Uh, we go through maybe five or six scans where they're releasing the discomfort in their bodies. And after, you know, I, I, I tell them I'm gonna count backwards from five to one, but continue to breathe. And when I get to one, I say, you can slowly open your eyes. And so their pain has gone sometimes from a 10 to a two, mm -hmm. or sometimes from a, a 10 to a three. Mm -hmm or 10 to zero. So the goal is for them to continue to with the relaxation breathing and the body scanning. The more they do it, they'll get used to it and it becomes a habit. Fantastic. As I, and as you're speaking, I've noticed my breathing is slowed down and relaxing and it's like, this is wonderful. Yes, and we don't give ourselves a chance to literally just pay attention to our bodies. We're just not taught that in this country for some reason. Well, because we're taught to, um, what's the word? We're taught to not to want to feel. We don't want to feel pain. We don't want to feel discomfort. So we're taught not to feel those things. So we will, do, we will avoid it. We will 
medicate. We will do whatever we need to do to not to feel any discomfort. So I do have a question. So have you been able to use hypnotherapy uh, or some of the techniques for weight loss? Everyone is trying to lose weight. No, I haven't. Okay. So (laughs) it's like everybody's trying. Go ahead. Well, one of the things what I'm finding, because I use multiple ways, what I'm finding is, is targeting what's triggering, what's triggering the cravings. Sometimes when people, what I'm finding is if people are uh, feeling lonely, that may be a trigger for food. Or if they're feeling anxiety, it may be a trigger. So, uh, and I'll just, this is transparency with myself. My son is uh, looking for a place you know, he's looking to move out. And I noticed that for the past couple of months, I have been eating more. So I have been feeling a little sad about my son leaving the nest and I'm an empty nester. So I keyed in on, this is what's going on. You are sad because this young man is getting ready to leave. And now it has increased my appetite for sweets. So that's, I caught myself, I'm sad. And that has been triggering me to want sweets. You want us to, to make friends with our feelings, right? And to look at what's really going on inside no, of No, to be attuned with your feelings. Yep, to feel it, to just allow ourselves to feel it. And to determine why am I upset? Why is, why does, with me, why is it that my son leaving is bothering me so bad? Then the thought is, here's the thought. I'm gonna be lonely. I'm gonna be by myself. I've never been by myself. So now that just gives you the opportunity with that cognitive behavior therapy to start reframing. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. I, uh, I, that's one of my concerns is God, I'm, when I get old, who's gonna take care of me? <laughs> so, so. Uh, one of our questions uh, from our Facebook group is how long does a session usually take? on the average? Well, sessions are 60 minutes, but you need more than one. Most people think that if you come in and you get one, one, one treatment of hypnotherapy and then everything is all better. But just like when you're trying to change a habit, mm-hmm. when you do something repetitive, well, I'm not gonna eat sweets. So every day for the next 30 days, you don't eat sweets. So now, on that 31 day, you don't have any desire for that sweet. And so with hypnotherapy, it's repetitive. It's that, it's, it takes more than one session. What's the average number of sessions generally? I know that's, that could change by person. It could change per person. And it could be anywhere from three to six weeks because the person is in charge and they see the change themselves. Okay. So if you want to be, um, if you, uh, a friend of mine, uh, hated doing, um, presentations, but his job was doing presentations. So, uh, just be him being more assertive. He didn't think he was assertive. So him being assertive. So we work with his assertiveness through hypnosis, hypno, hypnotherapy for about 
four weeks. And so now he's very confident in his ability to do uh, presentations in front of anyone. Fantastic. Um, do you do group therapy as a family? I do group therapy. I do family With therapy. Family, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, I do family therapy. Yes. So when you do group therapy, are all of the sessions with the, the family or are there, is there individual time also? Well, well, group therapy could be all with the family. It could be just one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could, but is it in the aspect of what's going on in the family dynamics? So if you, if I, if I have a group with my family and the problem is communication and we're arguing and fighting. So I, I, if Alice, I want to meet with you alone because maybe it's me who's triggering it. So I can meet with you alone under group therapy, but if we're working on what's going on in the family dynamics. Okay, and can it be used as a confidence builder? Man, we're getting questions in after people realize, yes, you are in control. We've got questions coming in. So yes. can it be used as a confidence builder? Yes, you can. And do you work with children? Well, <laughs> not for hypnosis, I don't. I mean, uh, I work with children, but I like them at a certain age, at least 15. Okay. Oh, so you like to work with them when they have a lot of stuff going on. Well, <laughs> I've never looked at it that way. Okay. So I just remember when I was 15, it's like, I didn't know if I was coming or going most days. So. Mm-hmm. So um, when you work with children, what do you find some of their issues are? Um, just, you know, just, I guess, generally speaking. Uh, a lot of bullying. Oh. Self-esteem, which the bullying impacts the self-esteem. Uh, a lot of social skills, not knowing how to make friends. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of... Um, self you know a a lot of stuff I dislike myself I'm ugly I'm this so those are some of the things I work with with children oh that is so sad to hear that kids are experiencing that I know we read about it but to actually sit zoom to zoom with the counselor it's like oh gosh uh and uh does it work with abuse situations and they don't specify if it's um if it's uh, substance abuse or physical abuse? Uh, Substance abuse, I'm gonna send you to an intensive outpatient. Okay. And that's where you do about four or five groups, three to four days a week. So I'm not a substance abuse counselor, so I don't get into the substance abuse. So if you come see me and I do what an assessment and it's determined that you have a problem with substance abuse, I'm going to recommend an intensive outpatient. Uh, groups for you. Okay. And do you find working with men is easier than working with women or vice versa? The man asked this question. <laughs> once, I'm going to be honest. Once a man get into a therapy session, they really like it. They <laughs> are, they are in here. They are, and they're, they're working it. Once they, it's difficult to get them in, but once they come in, they really like it. And then they absorb the skills that you teach them. 
Mm -hmm. absorb it and then they have someone that listens to them because a lot of times most men the men that I see they don't feel that they can do anything good enough uh they don't feel like they're being heard I was in a a family session and uh it just came up where the the husband was talking to the wife and she internalized it and made it about her and he was like you see what I mean (laughs) you're not listening you only hear what you have to say. So, uh, so with me and they have someone to listen to them, objective, no judgment. Uh, so they tend to like it a lot. And what about women? Women like it too. Okay. Women, women are more apt to, they really gravitate towards being in tune with their emotions. Mm-hmm. They gravitate towards that and they gravitate towards change. And so women are more apt to identify the behaviors that really brought them into uh, seeing a therapist. Men are not, they will point out what other people have said about their behaviors. But when women come, they're more in tune to why they're why I'm here. This is what's going on with me. Uh, this is what's happening. This is happening in my marriage. This is affecting my job. These things are affecting me. And does this work with Alzheimer's patients? I've never treated an Alzheimer's patient. So I can't tell you if it does. Okay, it looks like we've got the group questions in. Uh, if there are more, I'll, so I'll hope that I have my little handy dandy telephone. So, Uh, so what are some of your success stories that people can relate to? Um, I have a good one today. I titrated her down. When I say titrated her down, that means that she was seeing me weekly. Okay. And seeing me bi-weekly to now she's seeing me once a month. And so when I started seeing her, she had a lot of anxiety and her thoughts were all over the place. And uh Everything was, I have to do everything. I'm responsible for everybody. And that was during the height of the pandemic when I started seeing her. She um, she was working from home. She had the homeschool. Her kids are home now. Uh, and then she had a, 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 pre, uh, a preschooler. So she had to work, cook, maintain the house. If she didn't do it, everything is going to fall apart. And she had was trying to get her husband to help, but he wouldn't help. And, you know, not the way she wanted him to help. Mm-hmm. So to see her go from that first meeting when she was crying and so anxious that she started breaking out. And when I spoke with her today, she was laughing, skin clear. And uh, and she gave me this example. She said, so my husband and I had a situation and he started making these accusations. Then I said, no. That's something that you have to deal with. That's something that you have to process. It has nothing to do with me. Until you're ready to talk about what's going on with you, come find me. But I am not. So she's learned how to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. She's used the techniques, the breathing. She's used the uh, what I do, emotional freedom tapping as well. The emotional freedom tapping. I do other t- forms of tapping she's used uh, the meditation she's used those techniques to really help her to control the anxiety 
learn how to set boundaries and to for her and then the cognitive behavior therapy that she doesn't have to be in control of everything and that she hasn't she doesn't have to do everything she has a husband she has children she could delegate so her story I have other success stories but because we spoke so recently uh hers was the first one that came to mind and I love uh, emotional freedom tapping. I love EFT. I think it is fantastic. So it's like, I love it too. Yeah. Glad to know you did that. So, so those of you who don't know what it is, you are, that is a treat in itself. Um, it helped me uh, lower blood pressure, actually. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so when, so I know generally we don't treat ourselves, but what, techniques do you use in your own life on a daily basis to sort of stay grounded? Well, I use emotional freedom tapping. I was walking this morning, I walked four miles and I was doing the tapping. I was doing the emotional freedom tapping. Uh, I use physical activity as a way to stay grounded. I um, Meditation. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I love to do is gratefulness in the mornings. And what gratefulness does for me, it takes me from feeling some kind of way to feeling hopeful. And then once I'm feeling hopeful, I can get into my meditation. So I meditate in the mornings, and then I get up and I engage in physical activities. Cool. I never considered combining uh, tapping with walking. That's pretty cool. Well, it is cool, I have to tell you, because you can do the tapping as you walk. Mm-hmm. And so that's translate because you're focused and fixated on a thought and alleviating that, uh, the emotions that's attached to the thought. That is so cool. <laughs> uh, let's see, what is the best time to start therapy? Middle of the week, beginning of the week, or after you start to feel the stress? Well, Anytime, even when you're feeling distressed. So one of the, uh, for me, if you come in my office distressed, you will not leave distressed. So if the mornings work for you, if the afternoon, it doesn't matter. You get the same type of treatment. And can this help what is known as angry person syndrome? I don't understand what's an angry person syndrome. I didn't know that was a thing. Is that a Me thing? either. I guess that's just someone who's angry all the time and who just gets angry at the drop of a hat. Well, therapy can help with the anger because it's something that's driving it. Right. So for that person, the answer is therapy because you have to determine what's driving it. And then transform it, but you've got to determine what's driving it. And that's through working with a therapist and processing the anger and determining uh, the core beliefs. Uh, And and that's how you can get to what's really driving the anger. So where are you located? My office is located 4550 West 103rd Street, Oakland, Illinois. Okay, repeat that for those who have pencils. Let's get our pencils and pens now and piece of paper. So 
I want you to remember this. So it's, what's the address again? 4550 West 103rd Street, Oakland, Illinois. And uh, do you have a website, email address, or phone number you'd like to share? I have an email address. I mean, uh, I have an email address, which is Positive Affirmations, P-O-S-I-T-I-V-E-A-F-F-I-R-M-A-T-I-O-N-S, B as in boy, H as in Harry, S as in Sam, at gmail.com. And then you can look me up on Psychology Today. And there's a number on Psychology Today that you can uh, contact me through. Okay, so I want everyone listening to be sure that you share that information, uh, use it yourself. I think everyone should have some therapy. I just think therapy is pretty cool. Uh, I do. So I love therapy. So. Um, Can you tell why? I mean, maybe your audience would be interested in why you love it. Sometimes you know what's going on, but you're too close to it to define it or even understand it. And uh, when you're that close to it, it's hard for you to know uh, what's driving it. And then if you have a life where you've been fairly successful, it's difficult for you to even talk about it because that seems to make you feel like an imposter. So you need to get out of that and away from that to someone else who can help you with what's driving that emotion, what's driving those feelings, help you remember that you aren't as powerless as we make ourselves to be. Um, and that's why I like it. I think that other person working with that person that's not you is, uh, is a healthy way to approach the changes you need to make in your life and to have another person looking at it helps a lot too. We often get it wrong if we are studying it ourselves too much. You know, if we're looking for, oh my God, that pain right there, that's cancer, oh, I'm gonna die, right? When it's not that generally, as, as you said, we carry things from our childhood that we buried that we don't even think about anymore. And that's driving a lot of things. Sometimes we carry things for years that we forgot. I remember a relative of mine, used to always complain about another relative and some things they did. And just out of curiosity, I wondered, when did this happen? So I asked, well, when did that happen? And it was like 30 years ago. So it's like, uh, we just carry things that we're not, sometimes we're not uh, aware that we're carrying them. Yeah. And to have the counselor work with you and help you with that, I think is pretty, pretty cool. And then sometimes we just, this is one time you can take some time for yourself and distress, where you're not always having to uh, look after other people. And that's something that we don't do a lot anymore in this society is actually set aside time to figure out who we are and what we need to accomplish in this life. So uh, I think hypnotherapy is pretty cool. I want to thank you for actually sharing it with us so that we know that it is it is another tool in helping us be our best selves, another tool in helping us de-stress so that we can go and save the world. Because I always believe that we are somebody's answered prayer, but we can't be that answered prayer if we're hurting. So 
I want to thank you. I want uh, you guys to remember that Alice is located at, what's your address again? 4550 West 103rd Street, Oakland, Illinois. And she can be found on Psychology Today if you want to reach out to her. And uh, there'll be a phone number on that website where you can get in touch with her. So we are at the end of our show. And I do have one quick question. <laughs> I have to ask this one. It's like, uh, AKA angry black woman slash somebody would wait to the end of the show to ask the question. So what's the question again? What about the angry black woman and angry black man therapy? Is there therapy for that? I don't. <laughs> people are just, people are not born angry. People just don't walk around angry. There's some form of trigger. There's an event that may trigger the anger. Here's the event. Here's the thought. Here's the emotion, which is anger. And then here's the behavior, yelling, fighting, aggression. So it's something that's triggering it. It's people just don't come here angry. And people just don't walk out the door to, and say, today I'm going to fight you. Or I'm going to, well, they might walk out the door saying that. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to right. kill me today. <laughs> She's going to learn today, right? Because, <laughs> you know, that's a buildup, you know, and it could be that core belief okay. that, that, that could be operating out that core belief that's triggering that anger. So that's a myth. People are not born angry. You've heard it from experts. So people are not born angry. So let's stop perpetuating the myth among ourselves. So with that, that's true. That's right. We come here. We come here as blank slates. Now we may have to be temperamental, you know, uh -huh. but we're not coming here angry, ready to engage in physical aggression and go off on the per first person that step on our shoe. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you very much for being a guest on my show tonight. I really appreciate it. I want to remind the guests to do not go gently into that good night, but find a heel worth dying for and take it. Be the person you've been waiting for and to make today so awesome that yesterday gets jealous. Above all else, do it your way and may this day offer you just what you need in each unfolding moment. Be inspired and to further notice, celebrate everything and remember you are somebody's answered prayer. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor, and it has truly been my pleasure to be here with you tonight. Thank you, Alice. And I wish you all of the blessings and all of the success in the world. Until next you, time, you're welcome. Until next time, good night. Good night. Greetings. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor. And today I want to encourage you to dream big. Decide what you're going to accomplish today. And remember, you are powerful and creative. So get it done. Every obstacle presents an opportunity, so don't shy away or shrink when you see obstacles. Always keep your focus on your goal and make a plan. Believe in goodness. Believe in the goodness that surrounds you, whether you see it or not, because I assure you that it is there. With those tips, I want you to go ahead and make it a great day.
Life's too short to drink cheap champagne So I decided to buy me 